Welcome to The Word, a weekly podcast from Maggie Valley United Methodist Church in Maggie Valley, North Carolina, in the heart of the Smoky Mountains. Here now is Reverend Ann Duncan for this week's Word. As a congregation, we've been journeying through the Old Testament. We've highlighted some women in the early books, including Sarah, Rahab, and Deborah. There are 166 named women in the Bible, and two books named for females, Ruth and Esther. I preached on Ruth two weeks ago, and today we turn our attention to Esther. Esther is a very important book in the life of the Jewish people, as it speaks to their historical persecution and God's protection over them. Every spring, the Jewish people have a holiday called Purim, or Purim. At the festival celebration, they hear the story of Esther and celebrate her courage. There's also a message for us today, a message about our courageous calling as Christians in times of anxiety and distress. Like Esther, we are called to speak God's word in times of trouble. I am not able to read the book of Esther to you today. I invite you to pause now and perhaps read in your Bible the story of Esther. It's only 10 chapters long. It's a wonderful story. You can even skim it or Google a summary. There's even online recordings of it if you'd like to sit and listen. Or finish listening to this sermon today. And then I invite you to go back and read Esther in your Bible. Hearing this sermon will enrich for you what you read there. As I can't read to you the whole book today, it is important for you to read the story, and I commend it to you. I begin with a bit of historical and geographical background. God protected the Israelites through Esther from sure death. He protected the Israelites through the courageous bravery of Esther. Why did the Israelites need protection? 600 years before Christ, Jerusalem was conquered by Babylon, an ancient kingdom. This is after the time of Kings David and Solomon. Babylon is in present-day Iran. In the time of the conquest, Babylon was the largest city in the world. The Babylonians destroyed the Jewish temple and exiled the Israelites from their land. Many of the Israelites were forced to move to Babylon, where they tried to live as faithful Jews in a foreign land. We call these people a diaspora, or Jews who live outside the promised land. The story of Esther takes place in the Babylonian Empire. Esther and her cousin Mordecai are part of the Jewish diaspora in Persia. The Jews do not govern themselves and are sometimes persecuted. Constantly, the people discuss, how can we be faithful to Yahweh when we are a minority in an unfriendly culture? The setting of Esther's story is a Persian court. In the opening scene, King Xerxes is hosting an elaborate banquet for his officials. It lasts 180 days. Immediately following, he hosts another banquet, this time for the whole city, It lasts for seven days. Xerxes invites his queen, Vashti, to make an appearance in her crown, and she refuses. 
Many rabbinic commentaries believe the text implies that Vashti is to arrive only in her crown, and thus the reason for her refusal. Xerxes is irate at her insubordination and orders her to be disposed, deposed, and the text implies possibly beheaded. Xerxes now needs a new queen, and what better way than to host a beauty pageant? Young unmarried women from all over the kingdom are invited to come for a year of beauty treatments. At the end of the year, whoever pleases Xerxes will be the next queen. At this point in the story, we meet Mordecai. We are told he is a Jew. He's raising his cousin, an orphan, as his own daughter. Mordecai's cousin, Esther, is brought to contend in the pageant. The text tells us Esther is very beautiful and wins the admiration of everyone. She doesn't tell anyone that she is Jewish. Xerxes chooses Esther as his next wife and the next queen. Everyone is pleased. And yes, there is a banquet. We now meet another character, this time a villain, Haman. Haman works in the royal court and is power hungry. He would like to be the king's right-hand man and literally wants the people to bow to him. Haman walks around the city requiring submission. Most people comply, except one. You guessed it, Mordecai. Mordecai, as a Jew, refuses to pledge allegiance to Haman. Haman is so outraged that he wants not only Mordecai dead, but all the Jewish people. Haman asks the king, and probably a bit distracted and aloof, the king agrees to the genocide. And there's another banquet. Mordecai hears the news and mourns greatly. He puts on sackcloth, covers his forehead in ashes, and cries bitterly in the streets. He immediately goes to the courts to get word to Esther about the impending edict. He begs her to intercede on her people's behalf. And then he tells her the most famous words from the entire book. Who knows? Perhaps you were created for such a time as this. Who knows? Perhaps you were created for such a time as this. Esther listens. Esther designs a plan to speak with the king at a banquet and will ask for her people's lives to be spared. And guess what? It works. Xerxes is so disturbed that Haman would want the queen, a Jew, killed, that Xerxes reverses the decision and instead sends Haman to the gallows. Esther and Mordecai get Haman's house and power. And more importantly, the lives of all the Jews are spared. And we have a final banquet. A conquered people, living in a foreign land, are granted freedom and life royal power and prestige, because God worked through Mordecai and Esther to ask for the Jews' protection. Did you know that God's name is never mentioned in the book of Esther? We assume that Mordecai refused to bow down to Haman because of his allegiance to God, but the reason is never given in the text. The Jewish people fast when they hear of the genocide ruling, but the text never says they pray. No one celebrates the Sabbath or goes to a synagogue. Is God hiding? Is God silent? No. God's silence means mystery, but not absence. God's name may not be evoked, but God is not dead. Was it by chance that Esther was the fairest in the land? Or was God at work in the story? 
Now listen, children, young and old, God multiplies ten thousandfold the little power that we bring. He makes our winter weakness sing of his full summer strength and burns the rags of shame to ashes, turns the course of human history. And rising up he then, against all high conspiracies and proud imperial machines, makes orphans into kings and queens. God multiplies ten thousandfold the little power that we bring and makes orphans into kings and queens. The belief that God takes our small offerings and brings forth good gifts is what we call providence. The doctrine of providence is the belief that God provides for humanity in the presence of struggle. We hear these words in Paul's letter to the Romans. We know that in everything God works for good with those who love God, who are called according to God's purpose. Undoubtedly, this theological theme of God's providence, the idea that all works together for good for those who love God, is central to the Esther narrative. God's providence is not a promise of a life without problems or pain. Rather, providence is the affirmation that God is actively working for life and preservation. In the story's finale, God's providence provided safety and life for the faithful Jews on account of Esther's willingness to speak with the king. This text tells us then the ups and downs of history. The purposes of God are at work in hidden and unnoticed ways. But the ways of God are reliable and will come to fruition. God is a covenant with God's people and God will ensure they are taken care of. And God will use us to bring his purposes about. The account of Esther features two courageous people who act heroically and save the day. Without the benefit of superpowers or super, super tools, they bravely do what has to be done with the simple devices they have. Esther and Mordecai are great role models for us. With no super weapons, they use their roles and voices to save the day. With this story, we can be encouraged to look for what we can do in seemingly insurmountable situations. We couldn't, shouldn't concentrate on what we can't do, but look for ways we can help. You may see yourself as too young or too old or not smart, knowing or wise enough. Esther, too, could have given up. She easily could have been beheaded if the king had refused her request. Who was she, as a young woman, to oppose Haman and her husband, the king? She could have ignored the issue and hoped someone else would step in and save her people. And yet Mordecai reminded her that God may have made her queen so she could do this one big task. As a faithful community, we are called to act in courageous ways. We must stand up to persecution on God's behalf, whatever the form and wherever it occurs. We must embrace courage when a situation calls for it. There's a wonderful poem that begins, The World's a Better Place. There are several variations, but here are some of my favorite lines. The world's a better place because Michelangelo did not say, I don't do ceilings. The world's a better place because Moses did not say, I don't do pharaohs or mass migrations. The world's a better place because Noah didn't say, I don't do arcs and messy animals. The world's a better place because Rahab didn't say, I don't do enemy spies. The world's a better place because Ruth didn't say, I don't do mothers-in-law. The world's a better place because Esther didn't say, I don't take scary risks. 
The world's a better place because David didn't say, I don't do giants. The world's a better place because John the Baptist didn't say, I don't do wildernesses. The world's a better place because Mary didn't say, I don't do virgin births. And the world's a better place because Paul didn't say, mm, I don't write letters. The world's a better place because Jesus didn't say, I don't do crosses. And the world will be a better place if you and I don't say, I don't do fill in the blank. If you and I are going to be faithful to the ministry God is calling us to, then we'll have to take chances. Perhaps you were created for such a time as this. We have to have courage and a personal willingness to act faithfully in response to divine opportunities. Christians need the book of Esther because we must remember that God is continuing to work in our world. God is continuing to work in our world through us. God is calling us to have courage in our everyday lives. We might be called to something different, but we're all surely called. We must listen to God to hear how and when we are to speak and act. What are those situations in your life right now? Do you need to be courageous in confronting a difficult situation in your family? Does a good friend need you to speak on their behalf? Do you know of a pressing need in our community that you can step in and assist with? School is getting ready to begin. Can you call a school and ask to help a child in need? Is there an unnoticed person in your neighborhood that you know needs support? Can you call them this week? What troubles you in our daily news? What small step? What letter can you write? What person can you call to make our world a better place? I want you to claim today the courage God is giving you. I want you to feel the power of God's presence by saying, Yes, I will have the courage to follow my calling and do the will of God in this world. Pray for guidance. Be still and silent and listen for God's response. What tugs at your heart when you sit in God's presence? That is what God is calling you to do. The thought that keeps returning over and over again, the person's name or the situation, that's what God is calling you to. Perhaps you were created for such a time as this. Will you say a prayer with me? I invite you to close your eyes and quietly repeat to yourself the words I share now. So it's not only my prayer, but our prayer together. Let us pray. Dear God, I thank you for the story of Esther. I thank you for her life and her courage. Give me courage to do your will in my community. Show me how I can help. Help me to be brave as I speak and act. May I follow your call for such a time as this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This has been The Word, the weekly podcast from Maggie Valley United Methodist Church. If you'd like to support the church in all of its outreach, please visit our website at www.maggieumc.org forward slash donate.